This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by Bill Sunison, who is the co-founder and CEO at Bindable. Bindable are an embedded technology and tech business, and they're based out of Boston in the United States. Welcome to the show, Bill. Great to have you on today. Hey, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me, and congrats on the success of your podcast. I've listened to a bunch of the episodes, and uh, you've had some great guests and some, uh, some great content, so really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, absolutely, Bill. Absolutely. As you've heard a few of the episodes, you'll be well aware of the format of the show. So would you mind sharing our listeners, yeah, first of all, a little bit about your background, your career, and what steps led to you starting Bindable? Sure. You know, I always say careers are zigzags, and uh, I've, I've certainly had a zigzag along the way. I started my career, interestingly enough, in not-for-profit uh, at Goodwill, Enable, which enabled, uh, which was the largest employer of people with disabilities in, in the U.S., and friend um, who had started, who had bought his dad's insurance agency in the workers' comp space uh, called me and said, would you like to be in the insurance business? Because Workers' comp at that point and still is was about getting people back to work who were disabled, right? And uh, so that's how I started my career. Um, I never thought I'd be in insurance, but then you know, really the bulk of my career I've been in uh, affinity distribution uh, of financial services products, credit cards, insurance, student lending. So my background has really been focused on uh, enabling distribution through third parties, B two B to C. And you know, my business partner and I had a John Fees and I had an idea for for starting uh, this business uh, and another. The business back in boy, it's been been almost uh, 13 years. So I also co-founded a business called GradGuard, which is the largest insurance platform in the country for uh, college students, uh, where insurance is embedded in the enrollment process. Uh, John Fees, my business partner, runs that business full time. I'm on the board, but we spent six or seven years building that business. Really, before InsureTech was. Uh, InsureTech, right? Um, and but we also had created it around the same time a business, and I think it is really. And I'll tell the story a little bit about Bindable here in a minute. But my background's really been around affinity distribution insurance for the last close to fifteen years, and uh, always technology enabled businesses. Great, fantastic. Thank you. Actually, but before we do get on to the business, would, would you mind sharing a little bit more about GradGuard? Because I think that's a real, obviously, great success story. Be be interested to know the story behind that as well. So yeah, so grad. The whole premise was paying for college was the is the second largest expense for most families. So we had this idea: how do you protect that investment in higher education? We built a bunch of products around enabling students to protect their investment in education. But the business today um, is really the leader in student insurance 
uh, all embedded. So uh, GradGuard works with about 450 colleges in the U.S. Um, making embedded insurance offers at the point of enrollment, whether it's renter's insurance or tuition refund insurance, which protects the student if, if he or she has to withdraw from college for medical reasons. The business is doing great. It's got 450 colleges. And again, I'm on the board. I don't have an operating role. John runs that business, but we started together and, and um, uh, spent a good six or seven years building it together before we decided to um, you know, separate what we were doing. And, and, and I focused on building what is now bindable. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. No, it sounds really innovative and I'm, I know it's very, very successful. Bill, clearly you're a busy guy. We're in the insurance coffee house this morning. What is your go-to coffee of choice in the morning? Well, it's interesting. You know, I make my coffee. Most of the times I make my coffee at home yeah. now since COVID, but I know your guests have said the same thing. Other guests have said the same thing. Uh, but hey, I'm from Boston. I'm Dunkin' Donuts all the way. You know, medium, as they say in Boston, medium regular. So that, that's my go-to. When I treat myself to a coffee, it's a Dunkin'. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Bill, thank you. Thank you so much. A great introduction. Really good to know, obviously, about your background and some of those businesses that you've been involved in and your background and those affinity partnerships. It sounds like very natural progression into the business that you're building there at Bindable. Would you mind giving our listeners here an overview, a snapshot of where the businesses at the moment, what it does and where you are at this point in time? Sure. I mean, you know, we like to think of our business as a B2B2C distribution platform. We're an insurance technology company that operates a national digital agency. And I think the best context is to see where we came from and how we got to where we are. It's interesting. The business started as a digital agency in Massachusetts. And, and for those people in the U.S. that have been in and around auto insurance in Massachusetts, Massachusetts prior to 2008 or 2009 was the only state left in the country that didn't have competitive rates. So we launched a business called MassDrive.com at that point. And our partner in the business, Jean Marie Lovett, really launched that business. And she's now the president of Mindable. She's been with us since the start. And it was really a digital agency focused on enabling Massachusetts consumers to shop for car insurance. Its whole premise was our backgrounds. It was getting our leads through Affinity Partners. We expanded that business in, in 2016 as we spun away from the college business and created a national digital agency and built all of our own technology to enable alternative distribution. So we built all of our technology in-house really to do what Meanwhile, after as Mass Drive made its uh, was growing, you know, InsureTech had come about, and a lot of new national digital agencies, great businesses were created and well funded. We expand. We said we're not going to try to compete with them. We're going to stick to what we know, which is B two B to C, and get our leads through third parties. Built all of our own technology, and it's a funny story. Nick, an insurance carrier came to see us and said, "Would you guys ever license your technology?" We hadn't thought about ourselves that way. Um, but in 2018, um, we uh, launched our SaaS business, changed our name to Bindable. Prior to that, we were an agency and began licensing our platform in 2018 to insurance carriers and insurance brokers. And, and today, we think about the business in two ways. Insurance as a service, which is really our digital agency, which enables brands, carriers, brokers that want to, um, a new brand that might want to be in the insurance business, but doesn't want to set up the operations related to it, we will do everything. We'll provide the, the technology, whether it's through our API or through a white label marketplace, and we'll provide the agency support because insurance oftentimes still needs to be sold by an agent. And, and we'll go to carriers as well that might want to diversify their products and offer other products that they don't manufacture. We'll provide the white label services, the agency support on a white label basis, and that's insurance as a service. And then we'll have brands and carriers and brokers to say, we have our own agency or we're building our own agency. 
we just want to license your technology to do our B2B2C and our alternative distribution better. So we will license, and that's our SaaS business, we'll license our platform, third parties that want to grow their business through alternative channels or to new entrants and brands that want to create their own insurance agencies. What's interesting about the business, Nick, is the, 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 the models are interchangeable. So someone of new brand or a carrier, someone might come to us and say, hey, we really want to launch this choice model or these other products, but we don't really have the capacity to set, to do, to set up an operation for it right now. So we'll do everything. We'll white label everything. And they say, hey, you know what? I think we're ready. And they can convert over and just become a technology client and use our technology to manage their own business. And on the other side, uh, one of our technology partners at some point may say, we like this. We don't have the operational capacity. Will you guys take on some of this these, this agency piece? So today, what started as a digital agency, I mentioned Jean Marie launched as, as MassDrive.com a long time ago, is now the agency that supports this insurance as a service business and the SaaS business. So we think of ourselves as a distribution platform that has this unique value proposition that if you're a brand that wants to get into the insurance business, whether it's a bank or a, or a, a retail brand or an OEM, however, whoever it is, we can support them doing it themselves, or we can do it for them. Obviously, the economic models are different. And then if you're a carrier or broker that wants to do the same, um, set up an agency, offer choice, offer new products, grow their business through alternative channels, we can provide the technology to do that or the technology and the agency. So like I said, things are a zigzag, but they always find their way to what we like, what we think today, we like to think of ourselves as a leader in this B2B2C space. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it sounds like a great journey that you've had so far in the business. And it's always interesting to see where different routes take you depending on the client needs and what the client feedback is and actually to say, actually, can you license this to us? That's fantastic. If we can start off there with insurance as a service, which is is obviously the core the core product that you've designed and developed there for the market. How did that come about and how has that been developed over the years? What are some of the products? What are some of the services that you offer as part of that? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's interesting. Um, today they call it, you know, the buzzword is embedded, right? Um, and in, embedding insurance offers in some other adjacent process, right? Whether it's a mortgage company offering home insurance, probably the best example of embedded insurance, in my view, is, is travel insurance at the point of sale when you when you purchase a, a flight or our grad guard business, right? Where you're enrolling in college, a property management company might offer renter's insurance. Uh, but embedded has been broadened to what we used to think of as affinity, which is really about using another brand to grow your product. So I think in, you know, Traditionally, affinity marketing was, hey, give us your logo. We'll do some co-branding. We'll do direct mail. And uh, and so we we set up the business to support that kind of offer for our partners. But I think as the API economy has evolved, APIs have become have created uh, opportunities for these offers to be embedded or closer to the ecosystem of the partner. So I think the reason that we think of it as insurance as a service is many of our clients, you know, never want us to say that who, who they are, because they want their brand to be prominent. Maybe maybe we're integrating the API within their ecosystem. So uh, at its core, we started, you know, the products that I think make the most sense other than the, you know, the embed, you know, like the travel insurance and, and those products uh, are commodity-based products, right? Where, where building a brand is really hard. So I think when we think of our own agency and the growth of our own agency, we can't compete with 
Geico, right? Or we can't compete with Progressive. They're spending billions and billions of dollars building a brand to get consumers to go to them and buy a bit buy a product. So we've we have a, a choice model for auto and home insurance where all of our leads are coming from these IAAS, these insurance as a service partners. So our core products have always been auto and home insurance. Uh, we also, you know, and we've done a lot of research on this, Nick. Um, I think so closest our research has close to seventy percent of consumers are willing to buy insurance from a non-insurance brand. So that doesn't necessarily have to be auto and home. The other thing that they want is they want bundling. They want one destination for all of their insurance. So our products have evolved from auto and home to digital products like travel insurance and pet insurance and home warranty insurance, legal plans, other services, personal umbrella, those types of ancillary benefits, life insurance, we do term life insurance, products that are relevant to that moment. So a mortgage company, for instance, Yes, home ins- embedding home insurance is really important, but that new homeowner probably needs term life. That new homeowner might want home warranty. So it's taking those products and services and bundling them in a way that it's adjacent to a process. It's complex. You know, home insurance is complex. For instance, if you embed home insurance in the mortgage process, in all likelihood, the consumer is applying for their mortgage. So their focus is getting a but, but if they can see in that process what their home insurance, estimated home insurance cost is going to be. And they can see that from a few companies, it'll help them make decisions on, on you know, how much they can afford and what how much money they need to put down on their home. And once they're approved, hopefully because that mortgage company has provided that service to them, they'll go to that mortgage company, which is which is our agency behind the scenes to purchase that product. So product and I would say you're seeing this in small business insurance. Certain products I think are are built for embedded sponsored alternative distribution. You know, more complex products like, uh, you know, large scale commercial insurance, that's going to be a little more difficult. But small business, auto home, those products are, are great. Commodity products, using someone else's brand always works pretty well. And when you're building a product, you identifying potential products that would work well embedded. So you've gone into travel, you've gone into other areas there outside of auto and home. Do you then look for those partners to then help with that distribution? Or is it very much about you know, providing the products depending on your your current client base? It's a great question. I'd say a little bit of both. So our current client base, you know, it depends on the adjacency, right? An auto dealer for me, for instance, may be most interested just in car insurance or auto insurance because it's relevant to the to the auto buying process. Now they want to monetize. They know the bundling home in with that is going to be important. It's going to help with retention. So so there's some natural products. But we we do often think about our, our platform is product agnostic and channel agnostic. So if there's an adjacency out there that says says, hey, you know, uh, a retailer like a, a Target or someone like that says, and they're, they're not a client, so I don't want to misrepresent that. But if they say, hey, we'd like to offer pet insurance uh, when everyone's buying uh, pet food, right? In that process, or probably an Amazon, right? If someone's, they, if they have a, a you know, warranty is probably the closest example of that. Mm-hmm. But so I, I would say if there's a, if there's a product provider that sees value in alternative distribution or in sponsored distribution, embedded distribution, we can be agnostic. We can integrate that product and then get them distribution. Uh, and that means it can be our current clients because we have a massive base of clients and brands that use our platform directly and through our technology clients. Or maybe they come to us and say, hey, you know, can we use your platform to get this product to Target and, and companies like that? So we're we're agnostic in the way. Now, we're not everything to everyone, right? We, we, we can't be experts in everything. So we try to stick to 
products that that we know are going to be relevant. I think as we talked about some of these products, uh, you know, another great example, although we don't we don't offer that product today, is you know a company like Asherion, who I really admire. Asherion created this mobile device protection, and they went to AT and T and Verizon, all the leading mobile device companies, and they made it available at the point of sale. Whether it's when you're in a retail store buying your mobile device or you're online doing it, but everyone thinks they get that insurance from Verizon, right? It's really coming from a company called Asherion, and and I think you build these products based on the need. So if the market is there's a need, we We'll, we're willing to integrate and build those products. Another company I really admire in this space is, is Homesite, which is now owned by American Family, right? They they built their entire business around white labeling home insurance for large auto insurance, monoline auto insurance carriers. At the time, Progressive was monoline, Geico, right? But Geico still monoline. And they said, hey, we'll, we'll solve that problem for you. So we'd like to think that embedding a product into our platform from product provider is going to solve a problem for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And it brings me nicely on to my next question about the benefits for those different stakeholders, really. So the benefits for the carriers that you work with, but then the benefits as well for those companies, the, those businesses who might find another income stream or another way of keeping their customers close to them. Yeah, I mean, you just you just said a couple of my gets. First and foremost, for the carriers, and I think what's really important about what we think is, is probably our greatest value position proposition is as this market hardens, we provide the carriers an opportunity to get to preferred customers at a reasonable cost. Whereas if they want to get their off of their products direct to consumer, and you're seeing it with a lot of the insure techs that started raising a lot of money and they realize their customer acquisition costs are unsustainable. You know, you know, trying to ma- manipulate Google is really expensive. Trying to compete with with leading carriers who have billions of dollars is really expensive. So our value proposition for the carrier is straightforward. Would you like to access preferred channels? Get to those customers in a moment that's important to them in a and be able to segment based on the data we have on the types of customers that are within our network. And when I say our network, I mean all of our technology partners, all of our affinity partners and embedded partners. There's a, you know, it's a massive network of households. And then for the brand or the or the affinity partner, if you will value is what you said. Um, Number one, they can monetize it, right? Um, If they're an insurance agency, they can monetize that as an agency. If they're a carrier operating an insurance agency, they can monetize it as, you know, they can not not only can they monetize that lead, think about someone that came to them that they, if it's a choice model and it's an auto insurance company, if they didn't have a great product for that customer, they can write it as an agent and monetize that. And maybe three or four years later, they, they are more competitive in that zip code and they can go back and get that customer. Or if it's a or if it's a product they don't manufacture, they're not going to lose that customer to a monoline pet insurance provider if they offer pet insurance themselves, even though they don't manufacture it. For a brand, it's it's the same thing, right? If they're an agency, they can get commission. If they're not an agency, they can monetize it as a marketing fee of some kind. But the big thing is customer engagement, right? How can they think about banks that have been in insurance and brands that have been insurance? How do we keep our how do we provide these relevant services to our customers to keep them engaged and retain their customers. Uh, so those are the biggest two benefits. One, uh, revenue, but two, engagement, and probably three, data, the data they learn about their customers, their buying habits, things like that. So we, we I mean, it, it's it's a little corny, but, but typically like affinity marketing, it is a win-win, right? The carriers get to the customers they want. The product providers get to the customers they want in a more cost-effective way. They're getting preferred customers. I think as this market continues to harden, it's going to be about profitability. I think we're seeing this in the insure tech world now, right? If you if your customer acquisition costs 
are unsustainable and your loss ratios are high, it's a really tough business. And this is a risk management business. And this is a, you know, so you need to manage those costs. The venture money at some point isn't going to continue to fund that. So uh, I think carriers are saying, hey, how do we get to the best customers? Mm-hmm. And, and they're all thinking about B2B2C, whether they call it embedded, infinity, sponsored, alternative, whatever they want to call it, it's, it's B2B2C. Yeah, and it's riding on the back of those companies who are already using Google and other forms, you know, to bring in their customers to to attract those customers to gain those customers. It's then you know, almost riding on the back of that and using that as another distribution uh, strategy as well. Bill, clearly, business like you said, it's a, it's a real win when you can see you can see the benefits all around for the different stakeholders. Looking forward now, as you look to grow and scale further to meet the needs of your customers, you know, we we've already talked about a lot of different products that you have, a lot of different services there. What do you see as the biggest challenges ahead for you as you do look to scale the business? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest challenges for the business, first and foremost, is uh, there's a massive pivot going on in the insure tech space. So a lot of companies that have learned the hard way about direct consumer businesses are coming into our space. You know, we've built our business in a B2B2C. And by the way, I have a lot of respect and admire a lot of these companies. I think they're 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 really good companies and and uh, and they're well funded. So I think you know a, a risk to our business is certainly competition, like anything else. I still think our platform is unique, and no one does exactly what we do. But there are companies that are doing bits and pieces of it that that I think are doing bits and pieces really well. So that would say is a threat. You know, I, I, like anything else, threats are related to you know sustainability of loss ratios, right? So we we need to continue to find the right customers for the right carriers. And, and that's really important to us. We, we believe as a technology business, we want to provide the best SaaS software to our businesses. We also want to help through data and through our technology match those customers. So everything that we aspire and continue to do that I talked about a few minutes ago is placing the, the, the right risk with the right carrier. So the better we can be at that the less risk we have of having, you know, of our clients having high ratios or within our insurance and service businesses are having higher loss ratios. Uh, we've done a great, we've done a pretty good job so far, but we don't rest on our laurels. This is a business of risk management and technology enables you to, technology and data can help you be better at it. Uh, but we still have to stick with what we're, stick to what we're good at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bill, brilliant. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. Brings us nicely on to the espresso round now, our short, quick fire, short, sharp and, and straight to the point round. Yeah, I know you like your Dunkin' Donut up there in Boston. <laughs> I've got, I think I've got, yeah, I've got a, a double espresso here. That's great. Um, over, in the, <laughs> over in the UK. Are you ready for the espresso round now? Sure, I'll do my best. I had I had a nice cup of coffee this morning, so. <laughs> let's do it, let's do it. The espresso round. Bill, how many people are you looking to grow the business by over the next 12 months? I'd say 25 to 50. And what are the cultures or values there that you're looking to build within the business? First of all, I think that this business is about, you know, the first thing is when someone enters this business, we tell them insurance is a noble profession. Uh, and And I always interview people and say, this is a purposeful business. And that means we help people at the worst moments of their lives. Indirectly, I mean, we're a technology business, but it doesn't mean we're not facilitating that. But I'd say the number one thing we tell recruits and the number one thing we tell our team, and it's as simple and corny as it is, be nice. We are about our, our, it is our primary core value is to be nice. Be nice to customers, be nice to partners, be nice to competitors, be nice to each other. And honestly, Nick, it goes a long way. 
It really does. So, so when someone wants to join our business, um, that's the first thing we look for. I mean, obviously they have to have the skill set, but we hire and we want to, we spend 75% of our lives with each other. We want to work with nice people. And I'd say um, nothing gives me more satisfaction than when a client says to me, your team is really nice. You got a great team. They're all really nice. Doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, but we got to own those. It's how we handle them. And uh, the number one thing is that we look for, in a, you know, obviously is their skill set, but are they nice people? That's great to hear, Bill. And I know I know that's something that you're very, very passionate about. It's also great to hear that being nice is not an, an acronym for, you know, for some you know, usual value sort of proposition. It's actually about being nice, being a nice person. And I think that's, that is so important. My next question is going to be actually around, you know, how do you, how do you keep that culture as you do scale? So presumably that is all around the the recruitment strategy and being honest and upfront at that period of time, making sure you're bringing in the right people. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, Keeping that culture is always the challenge, right? Because when you mm-hmm. when you're when you're a small business, when we had a handful of people, we know everyone really well. As you grow, you hire people, and you do your best to hire nice people. We've been very fortunate. We have an amazing team of really nice people, really talented, extraordinarily talented team. I'm blessed that way. Um, uh, I think it's about staying involved and checking in with people and uh, making certain when those conflicts are arising that they remember that none of this is personal and keeping people focused on the mission, right? We want to be the leader in B2B2C distribution. And there's a purpose in what we do. This is a purposeful business. And if the team feels like they have a purpose, if the team feels like they're being treated and respected well, and I'd say, you know, part of that is promoting within, you know, you asked me about our hiring. Yes, we want to, we want to grow the business. We've grown a lot in the last year and we're going to continue to grow in the next 18 months to two years. But the first thing we want to do is provide opportunities for our people. And that means people that might start as, as insurance agents in our in our sales center uh we're remote now we want to give them opportunities so i think if we have a if we have a history of hiring our of promoting our own building a diverse workforce of treating people well it's a place people want to work and they want to stay and then as we recruit and and find new people we want to find people that that feel valued. I mean, people want to feel valued and they want to feel like they're part of something special. Uh, we're not, I always say we're not disruptors, right? We're enablers and transformers. We want people to be able to say, when you came to this business, B2B distribution was this, and now it's this. And we hope you stay with us forever. But if you don't, we want you to look back on this time and say, boy, that was a really good place to work. People treated me well. I accomplished something. I grew. And that's all you can ask for. Absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned there about about remote working. There, I know you've you've obviously got your base, your headquarters there in in Boston, and you've you've got offices in in Phoenix as well, down in Arizona. How how are you going about sort of bringing people back to work? Are people working remotely? Are they working hybrid? Are they all back in the office? How have you gone about dealing with that since the since the end of the pandemic? Uh, for the most part, hybrid. Um, as a matter of fact, we got we were fortunate. For, all, for lack of a better term, when, when COVID hit, um, both of our offices were expiring. Um, so we, we didn't, needless to say, we didn't renew the leases at the time. And we've used temporary space in the short term. We are looking for full-time space in both locations. So, um, but in the meantime, we've hired great people remotely. Our chief growth officer, Jocelyn Getson, works in Austin. Our CTO has been with us since the beginning, works, uh, Brian Kelly, he works in uh, in, in uh, Silicon Valley, right? So we have, we've, we've found that we can, you know, Brian's been with us a long time. Jocelyn's been with us over a year and and we've hired some engineers and other people that are remote and, and we're doing fine. We are a digital business. I think our ultimate cadence is to have uh, a hybrid 
office environment. You know, we've been we've been coming into Boston a couple of days a week, the team, and uh, and that seems to be working well. We're trying to still, like everyone else you talk to, we're trying to figure out the right cadence. Mm-hmm. Uh, people need flexibility. We want them to have flexibility, but but we I also think it's important to have collaboration, to be in the office and spend time together. It doesn't need to be five days a week, and it doesn't need to be every role. And I don't think engineers need to be in the office, right? They can be working remotely. It's really about finding that right cadence. We're getting there, but we've got a ways to go, and we're trying to figure it out right now. And you talked about obviously it's a it's a digital business, but insurance is right at the heart of it, and you're working with lots of different insurance stakeholders. What value can someone from the industry bring to your organization? You know, as someone with experience either working at a carrier or a broker, uh, potentially at a senior level, what sort of value can they bring to you, to your business? I mean, obviously, they can bring expertise depending on that role. I'd say a, a senior, as we think, as you know, as you think about what our what you asked a few minutes ago about what might be a headwind, right, or a challenge. And I think we need experts in underwriting that understand the value proposition, right? We need experts in technology. So I think bringing in people from the industry complements. We have a we have a, a lot of non-industry people in our company on the technology side and other pieces, and I think that's been good for the business. But bringing in industry experts, I think, are going to be crucial as we scale. Right, our, the business, as you know, gets to a certain stage. We're still a very small business, but we are growing. We expect to grow substantially, so we want to hire the right people that bring that expertise that can complement what we're doing and bring in and on the SaaS side too. So industry. Professionals that are insurance professionals that have worked in the SaaS business have those relationships, understand the pricing structures and things like that. That's really important to us. So, you know, we only know what we know. And I think our team is humble. Uh, we are a humble group. We we know that our knowledge base is, you know, we, we've gotten this far, but to get to the next level, we're going to continue to hire the right people. Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Final question the espresso round, actually, Bill. If there are any other founders out there, InsurTech founders looking to scale their business, what sort of infrastructure would you say is really key to have in place before you start that scaling process? I mean, I think, you know, first of all, the API economy has created a number of opportunities for entrepreneurs to to get into this business. I'd say, you know, probably my advice is don't underestimate the value of the agent in the process, right? If you're going to build an infrastructure and you think you can, and you want to build, you know, the next great digital brokerage and the next great digital MGA, if you're in the distribution side, I'll say specifically, don't underestimate the need for agents and that operation. The business is still very much hybrid. I think everything's digital first and and most consumers we know for these products go online. Yeah, there are products that I think embedded in the point of sale that are like we talked about travel and things like that, that are going to always be digital, but don't underestimate the need for people to support your digital business. No, it's fantastic. Great, great advice. Really good to hear that. Bill, before we finish today, before we round off, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And yeah, how would they go about reaching out to you after the show? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, like I said, with people, I'd say the other thing is um, this business is hard. There is no, there is no, there's no easy road. So just be prepared if you're an entrepreneur and you want to join a company. Just know that you're going to work hard, but find. Work, work with people that you feel have the same values as you because you're getting into the trenches and you're working every day. So join a company that you feel like you connect with those people that you meet. And uh, that's really important. Don't look at who the company is as much as what, the, you know, that's all important. But make sure you're going to work with people you feel are going to respect you and value you. And then what was the second part of the question there? Contact details. 
Oh yeah. So uh, Bill Sunnison, I'm at uh, best way to reach me is LinkedIn uh, or bsunnison at uh, bindable.com. Easy to reach. Happy. If you're interested in joining our team, you know, we're a great place to work. We're going to be hiring and we'd, we'd love to find great people. And, you know, Nick, thank you for this opportunity and congrats on what you're doing. I think you, you've got it. You, I, I was telling someone last night about this and I'm, you know, what you've done is terrific. And I think it's so important to build content into what you're doing professionally. Uh, it only creates more, you know, your credentials and your credibility in the business that you're, that you're in. Uh, I think this is just a great, great approach. So thank you for what you're doing for the industry. Uh, thank you, Bill. No, that's very kind of you to say that's great. I think that links in really well, actually, with what you're saying about finding people with the same values, same culture. I think insurtechs al- allow that, those smaller businesses, they're way more accessible than the large corporates. So, you know, if there are insurance leaders out there now at some of the big corporates, you know, you can really dig into the the founders, the C- CEOs of these smaller insurtechs. You can find out lots about them. Most of them are on you know, social media, a lot of them doing podcasts like this. And it is a great way to really find out about those businesses and find out about the value, which typically in a larger organization, you just don't have that same access, particularly with the people you'd be working with. Absolutely. I, w- I would just say the other thing is that this industry is a great industry to be in, mm. whether it's an insurtech or I think if you, for, for new professionals, younger professionals, it's a great industry to get into and in insure tech because you can learn a lot. No, no job is forever, right? But but it's a massive industry and it's a purposeful industry. So it's a great, it's a great step. You know, you can do a lot of things with that knowledge base you build, mm. you build at an insure tech. Absolutely. Yeah, it combines the technology and the purpose really, really, really well. Bill, thank you so much for your time today. It's been brilliant to have you on the show. I know we've been talking about this for a little while. So thanks so much for coming on. And yeah, we look forward to welcoming you back on the show maybe in 12 months' time and finding out how everything's going. Appreciate it, Nick. Uh, thanks for the time. And let me know if you're in Boston, I'll buy you one of those Dunkin' uh, Donut coffees. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be there very soon. Actually, I'm, I'm there in a few months' time. So I will certainly let you know. To all the insurance and insure tech leaders out there, wherever you are listening around the world today, we thank you for tuning in and I'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable insights and learning from our guest today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or would like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global Insure Tech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.